All right, we're pleased now to be joined by Will Miles. He's the co-host of the Gators Breakdown Podcast, along with David Waters. Everybody knows Gator Dave. you got to give each of them a follow on Twitter. And, of course, Will also writes for readandreaction.com. You can follow Will at WillMilesSEC on Twitter. And Gators Breakdown, same thing, at Gators Breakdown on Twitter. i got to say, there's a lot of really good Florida podcasts out there, but I think the Gators Breakdown is the best one out there. So I really appreciate you hopping on with me here, Will. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dave does a great job of Gators Breakdown. It's it's an honor for me to be on there and, and to contribute. And to be honest, it's just fun to talk about college football, especially right now. Absolutely, Will. That's exactly why I wanted to have you on, because uh, at your website, which We'll put in the link in the show credit here, but uh, over at Read and Reaction, your most recent article, it's titled, Can Jimbo Fisher Really Develop Kellen Mond into the Best Quarterback in the SEC? And you were kind of inspired here by Jordan Rogers, who recently came out and touted Kellen Mond as the best quarterback in the SEC. So let's kick it over to Jordan Rogers for anyone that missed it, and then uh, we'll discuss it on the other side here. When you look at the West, Jordan, which team most in position to improve its place in the standings from last year to this year. Man, I cannot wait for football. When you look at that lineup, are you kidding me? I mean, you got you got Mike Leach in there you now. You got the lane train. I mean, you have th- – this, yeah, this yeah. storylines in the West are unbelievable. I still look at Texas A&M. I think when you return 19 starters – now, it doesn't mean all of them are going to start, but you turn return that kind of experience in – an offseason that's that's very atypical, that's huge. Return, I think, the best quarterback in the SEC right now in Kellen Mond, who, yes, did regress last year and has some things to improve upon, but you give him another weapon in Baylor Cup. Do you remember that name? A four-star tight end, top 300 yeah. in ESPN, 6'6", 240. I mean, he is going to be a freak. You add him to Jalen Weidemeyer, that's the best tight end duo in the entire country, I believe. So they have weapons, and they got a big chance to make some noise. All right, Will. So obviously, I'm you know not very surprising to see you kind of taking the side here of Kyle Trask, but I think a lot of Gator fans very surprised that I've been so public about it because people think I'm like this big Gator hater, but really I just call it like I see it. And in my mind, heading into the 2020 season, um, I'm not seeing where anyone. It's very surprising that even an SEC network analyst here would say that uh, Kellen Mond is looking better than Kyle Trask based on what we saw last season. So can you give us a little bit of a breakdown on what you saw on your analysis piece there on uh, the readandreaction.com? Yeah, so you have to go back a little ways in terms of some of the work I've done in the past to really maybe understand what I was doing. But um, back in back in 2017, over the summer, Florida brought in Malik, Malik Zaire, and it was a battle between Zaire Franks and Del Rio, Luke Del Rio for quarterback, and I went back and looked at completion percentage of like 50 or 55 different quarterbacks in high school. And there's a really, really strong correlation between their ability to complete passes in high school and their ability to complete passes in college. And I think that is a, I'm becoming more and more convinced that that's a skill that, you know, a guy who's got a cannon for an arm and a guy who can read defenses. Those aren't things that a coach, I mean, a coach can make differences around the edges, but I don't think that's something that a coach can necessarily teach. And so, you know, when I did the analysis of more than 50 of those quarterbacks, over 30% of those guys basically saw a 0 to 3% change in their completion percentage from their senior year in high school to what it wound up being in college. And so when you look at Mond, his high school completion percentage was really, really low. It was like 56%. 
And lo and behold, that's right around where he's been in his three years in college. Now it's, it's moved around a little bit over his three years, but he just, he has not been able to consistently find the open man. And, and there are some other stats in there where I talk about what he does under pressure versus not being under pressure. And his completion percentage drops from 70% to 40% when he's under pressure, which is uh, pretty significant, obviously. And then third and 10 plus really, really struggles. And, and when you look at the film, you can sort of see why you can see that he's forced the ball in on third and 10 plus you can see though, that when he has a good idea of what the defense is doing and goes to the right guy, he's got a strong arm and can get it there. So I think that's what people are seeing when they think he might be the, be the bet when Rogers says he might, might be the best quarterback in the SEC. What he's really seeing is the skills that jump out at you on tape. But if you watch enough tape or if you look at the statistics, I think it tells a little bit different story. Yeah, and so like I said, for anyone that's missed this piece, you got to read it because Will's done a terrific job analyzing various things that uh, to kind of compare these two, including common opponents, and one that I really look at when I measure college quarterbacks, well, really any level quarterbacks, but is how they perform on third and long. Can you give us some insight on how Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask compare on third and long? Yeah, so it's interesting. So Mond went 9 of 24, so 37% completion percentage. But more than that, he averaged 6.4 yards per attempt, and he was inaccurate 58% of the time. There's a great site out there called SCC StatCat that breaks down situations and distances and, and you know whether a quarterback was accurate or not. I was able to get a lot of stats off of there. Um, you look at Trask on third and 10, he, 10 plus, he completed 79% of his passes for an 8.7 yard per attempt average. So you're more than two more yards per attempt, much, much more accurate, 40, 41% more accurate in, in those situations. And like I said earlier, Trask performed, or Mon didn't perform well under pressure, and Trask was basically the same quarterback under pressure, 67% completion in both, both cases. And when he was under pressure, actually averaged more yards per attempt. And so the takeaway to me is that the blitzing, um, that if people tried to blitz Trask, they weren't necessarily getting anywhere. And if they tried to blitz Mon, they were. And that's a little bit of a surprise when you think about Florida's offensive line and how much that they struggled. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting that people are really looking at Mond, or at least that Rogers is looking at Mond, because I think there are better candidates in the SEC out there, even if you don't consider Kyle Trask. So guys like Terry Wilson played well two years ago before he had a knee injury last year. And even Jarek Orantano really seemed to turn the corner in the second half of the year for, for Tennessee. Obviously, the schedule was a little bit easier on the back half, but Guarantano put up some pretty good stats by the time you look at the overall season of work. Um, certainly better than Mon did. So based on your research, you know, when I'm not trying to, you know, trash a young man here, but you kind of reference that you're not in the camp that Emory Jones could kind of take the job necessarily from Kyle Trask. So have you done enough research on the two of them that, uh, you know, you see some Florida fans seem like they're really enamored with Emory Jones and not to say he's a bad player, like I said, but I think Kyle Trask is the best quarterback coming back in the SEC. So it just seems like Florida, if they are, you know, you got to make them earn it. But at the same time, if he's not your guy, I don't know if they're going to win the SEC next year, which I think they can do with Kyle Trask. Do you have any thoughts on that alleged controversy down there in Gainesville? I think this is always the case. The backup quarterback is the most popular guy in the room. I look. I think Emory Jones is going to be a really good player. I, I just don't think that when you look at what he's done thus far and the amount of freedom he's been given in the system, I mean, I think Florida fans have been a little bit disappointed that he hasn't been allowed to let it rip a little bit when when Mullins put him in the game. But 
these are the same guys who always tell you that Mullen's a quarterback guru. So you figure that if Mullen's really that good a quarterback coach and Emery was ready to let it, let it fly, that he would. And that doesn't mean that he's not going to be ready to, fl- ready to let it fly this year. But I do think, you know, you don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. I mean, Kyle Trask is not somebody that I think people expected coming into last year was going to be in the upper echelon of quarterbacks, not only in the SEC, but in the country. I think he finished something like 24th or 25th in the, in the country in passer rating. And, you know, this is for a guy who didn't start even in high school. So you figure there's some room to grow. Um, but I think that's really the thing is, is people are worried about, you know, Emory Jones was the hope in 2018 when Mullen came in. That was his first big recruit, took him away from you know, Georgia or Alabama. I think it was Alabama. And, uh, you know, so everybody's sort of been pointing towards year three when Emory Jones would take over with the expectation that Felipe Franks would probably leave after this past year. And lo and behold, you get the injury to Franks, Trash comes in, and, and Jones is going to have to sit one more year. I, I, th- I think what you're going to see, though, is that they're going to use Jones a whole lot more in the running game. Um, you know, I think everybody expected last year to see sort of a, a Tebow, Chris Leak type of combination between Franks and Jones, quite honestly. And then when Franks was hurt, people definitely expected to see that with Trask. But the offensive line struggled so much that there wasn't a whole lot they could do in the running game anyway, and they just started chucking the ball. So, you know, I, I think Trask, like I said, you know, you go back and look at the high school completion percentage for Trask, and it's up over 70%. And if you think that that correlates, well, it shouldn't be a surprise then that he completed 68% of his passes last year. And, um, you know, so again, if, if that's a skill and, and, I believe it's a skill, and that's something that you want to nurture. That's not necessarily somebody you want to put on the bench. Yeah, and I really thought that was fascinating, the fact that you do go back to the high school completion percentage for a college player, because I've just never really heard of that. And I guess it makes sense in some regard, but i got to be honest with you, when you first reference it, I wasn't really buying it. You, you know, you got to read the entire piece, and by the end, you kind of really nailed it. So you might really have something there. So i got to credit you there. I've just I've never heard of anyone doing that, so... I thought that was very impressive, and uh, have you done that? I know you referenced uh, you know, some other Florida quarterback battles, but have you done that with any other college quarterbacks? Yeah, the one, that I, the one that's really the feather in my cap that, you know, and I don't want to look at an outlier or somebody who looks at the statistics, but um, I wrote something back when Joe Burrow was at Ohio State, and I said he might be the biggest recruit that Dan Mullen can go after. And lo and behold, he goes to LSU and wins the Heisman Trophy and puts up an unbelievable year. And when you look at him, he started as a sophomore and he completed 62% of his passes in high school. Then at the junior year, he went up to 71.2. The senior year, he was 72.3 with 63 touchdowns. (laughs) And not only that, he was averaging almost 13 yards an attempt. So he was really chucking the ball down the field. And so you looked at that and said, okay, this is a guy who knows how to read defenses. And I understand why he lost out to Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State because Haskins has a better capability of running the ball. And Haskins has a better arm, obviously. I mean, he had drafted the first round by the Redskins. So it's not as though Burrow lost out to chop liver. But, you know, that was really the, the place where I, I really started to become convinced on this. I mean, originally, I was looking at Malik Zaire, and, and he only completed 56% of his passes in high school. And I was like, oh, this might be a disaster at Florida. And lo and behold, that came true. Um, you know, Frank sort of tracked what he did in high school. You know, it's not a hard and set rule, but it's interesting that certain guys' systems seem to buck the trend more than others. So uh, Mike Leach's um, programs, his quarterbacks tend to come in and be much more accurate than they were in high school. So Falk, Luke Falk is somebody who really jumped off. I think he wound up like 12 or 13% higher in college than he was in, in high school. And I think that has a lot to do with, with Leach, but also a lot to do with how that, how that offense works. 
Um, you see the same thing with Dana Holgerson. You see increased completion percentages compared to high school. But when you start going back to offenses that are starting to look more like NFL offenses, even if they've got quite a bit of spread in them, it seems to be a pretty good correlation factor. And like I said, Burrow was sort of the was sort of the one that I looked at and said, this is the guy that uh, that Mullen needs to target. <laughs> and he didn't, and Orgeron did, and now Orgeron looks like a genius. Well, that's why studying these guys, looking at these numbers is important. I can circle all the way back to Jordan Rodgers this time last year. Here's his quote on Joe Burrow. The vast majority of fans I encounter have an inflated impression of Joe Burrow. He was good in moments last year, wildly inconsistent, and frankly, very poor against good competition. So that's kind of why you shouldn't listen to these hot take people. Listen to the data. Listen to the analysis like Will Miles has done here at Read and Reaction. Really highly recommend it. And last thing before I get you off here. We got, a lot of, we got a lot of Florida listeners, but we got a lot of Georgia listeners too. And I've been leaning towards the Gators. I'm on record if, you know, there's, there's obviously not going to be any spring practice or anything. I think that's the difference right now in the SEC East. I'm going with the Gators to win the East, Georgia to finish second. I, I still think that's a razor-thin margin. It's not like I think Georgia's going to lose four or five games or anything, but am I crazy to say Florida's going to win the East next year? You know, it's interesting. I mean, 2020 is really the year that I think Florida has to get it done because they've got trash coming back because of the coronavirus, keeping keeping everybody away from spring practice. And then, you know, just the schedule inequity this year. So Georgia draws both Alabama and Auburn, and they're having to replace Jake Fromm. And, you know, there's some question as to, you know, Jamie Newman didn't really play very well at Wake Forest when he was playing um, when he was playing high-level competition, and he's going to get that every week in the SEC. And then, you know, the people they have behind him are relatively either young or inexperienced. And, and so, you know, last year, I think people really thought that, that Georgia would struggle if they happened to have an injury quarterback because they didn't have anybody behind them. Obviously, Jake Fromm struggled a little bit. But at the same time, that defense is pretty salty and is able to really pull things out when they need to. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, Florida is going to come into the season and, the, and there won't be a game where Trask isn't the best quarterback if the trends from the year from last year continue. Um, and, and, you know, you couldn't say that last year. You couldn't say Trask was better than Jake Fromm. You couldn't say Trask was better than Joe Burrow. Um, but you're going to be able to say that this next year. And, and you know, the NFL is a quarterback-driven league, and, and the NCAA has become more and more a quarterback-driven league over the last four or five years. And it takes a top 10 top 15 offense to win national championships and to win the sec and florida has an opportunity to do that so you know i think a big part of it's going to be whether their offensive line can improve enough to give trask a little bit more time um you know he got the ball out really quick last year um and was able to sort of make up from just some deficiencies in the offensive line and when it comes down to that georgia game georgia's defensive line isn't going to be any less talented in 2020 than it was in 2019 and, and they really made trask uncomfortable in that game last year so um, I really think if, if you're looking at if you're looking at at the season, you know Florida has two shots. One is that they can come out and can actually beat Georgia in that game in Jacksonville. But the other shot is is that Georgia drops a couple of SEC games, especially early on, since they have to play Alabama and then Auburn later on in the year. And Florida is even able to lose that game, but because their their schedule is so light, they're still able to go to Atlanta. All right, outstanding stuff there from Will Miles, the co-host of the Gators Breakdown podcast. Follow him at Will Miles SEC. Follow the podcast at Gators Breakdown on Twitter, and it's available on every podcast platform out there. Thanks again, Will. I really do appreciate you hopping on with us here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me.